Gentlemen, welcome to Socks on Tap. We're talking about a White Sox winner tonight. This is Tony Marchese, and I'm joined by NWI Steve. Steve, how are you doing, man? Hey, yo, Tone. Five in a row, baby. Things are looking up. Hey, winning streaks are cool and tough, Steve. Five in a row. I, I look back about a week ago. We were down in the dumps a little bit. Since you've been a regular on this thing, We've really turned it around. Uh, what what have you done to to Listen, turn this I, to, to turn this whole thing around? Because man, like I I don't think you've talked about a loss yet. You know, you know, Tone. You were talking the other day when when we were texting about you know presence, and may, maybe maybe you were onto something there. Maybe there is just a presence that I that I bring to this show that's just rubbing off and, and bringing out the best in, in the socks right now and just keeping them hot here. So I honestly, I think I got to give you the credit for that. Hey, you know, I, I try and pride myself on noticing trends and this is definitely a trend and we're going to, we're going to keep tabs on this one because it's working and it's only crazy, Steve, if it if doesn't, it doesn't work. work, that's, that's exactly right. It's only crazy. If it doesn't work, we're talking about a white Sox winner tonight Six to four over the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's a team that we don't see a lot of. Um, and they're not a slouch in the NL Central at all. This one was just a fantastic ball game. A lot of entertainment tonight, Steve. Let's just jump right into this. Carlos Rodon gets the start, and I think we have to start here with the pitching performance from Carlos Rodon. It wasn't exactly what we were expecting. I don't think anybody was expecting this. We've already got Reynaldo Lopez uh, injured, and now uh, Carlos Rodon comes out and only throws two innings for the White Sox today. That's a little concerning. Let's get the bad news out of the way first. How did you feel about Rodon's start tonight? Well, it was very obvious early on that something was not right because the the fastball velocity was down noticeably, and he just simply was not able to put any hitters away um you know i know we had the the strikeout of keston Hira in in the first inning there but the stuff just was not crisp there wasn't much life to it so it was very obvious and and apparent from from the outset that something wasn't right there you know we didn't know if maybe it was just a dead arm period coming off of the tommy john and and being thrust right into game action there without much of a uh you know a spring training ramp up period there so that's what i initially thought but then when the team came out and said that it was shoulder soreness here that's something that's very concerning for me especially from a guy that's already had shoulder surgery once in his career here so that's not a good sign from my perspective no absolutely not and of course uh you know the Sox get out to a 2-1 lead in the first inning and then Rodon not able to get through that third inning uh gets pulled 
very early in here. But uh, Foster comes in, throws two innings, strikes out three, uh, doesn't give up a hit. Uh, I think there's an. I think he did an excellent job. Um, you know, we've got a lot to unpack here. You and I have texted a little bit back and forth uh, during the game, and, and just we knew there was a lot to unpack in this by like the fifth inning. How about Foster early on here? Just a name that hasn't been talked about a lot in White Sox circles, uh, coming out and getting the job done, really picking up Carlos Rodon. Yeah, yeah. Matt Foster, again, another real solid performance here today. Came in, gave two solid innings of work. And, you know, might, I might have to just, you know, get my shout-out done early here in honor of uh, our Australian buddy Jason Hosking over in Iowa. Foster might be Australian for getting guys out. Yes. I mean, I, I love it. I love I love Jason's takes, man. Jason's a, a good friend of the show, uh, just an awesome dude. Uh, Iowa White Sox. Uh, one of his podcast partners was over in the garage uh, over the over the past weekend and just wanted wanted somebody to shout out the fact that uh, Jason hasn't been here yet. So I had to say it on the show at some point. I know we're not anywhere near shout outs yet, but uh, Jason gets the shout out tonight. Uh, Foster did a great job. I wasn't too impressed though uh, with Jace Fry tonight. Uh, just did not look as crisp as Jace Fry could be. Um, but I don't want to stay on the pitching too long because I'm going to have plenty to say about Ross Detweiler in just a little bit. Uh, Steve, let, let's get into the offense before we circle back here. Uh, the White Sox get on the board first and put up two runs in the first inning. How important is it in, in your mind for this team to jump out with an early lead? Well, I think, you know, when you look at, some of the question marks within the starting rotation, particularly, you know, the last couple of days with, um, you know, Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon, you know, a couple of guys that do have a high level of uncertainty with their performance this year, Rodon coming off of injury, you know, to go and to stake him to an early lead. I think that's pretty important for, for this team here. And just from the mindset standpoint of them and just, you know, you're look, you've won four in a row. You want to keep that momentum going. If you go out there and if you smack a team in the mouth, in the top half of the first inning in their ballpark right away here, that's a good sign, and, and that can really kind of set the momentum and, and set the tempo for the game and for these next, you know, four nights here. So that was I thought that was pretty important to see. Now, obviously, Rodon went and gave one of those runs back in the bottom half of the inning here, but, you know, definitely it's, it's a good sign to see this team coming out there offensively, waking up from, from the outset here and jumping out to an early lead. In my opinion, Steve, early leads are cool and tough. And one of the things that uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to just go back and compare everything to 2005 all the time. But one of the things that that 2005 team did very consistently was jump out to an early lead in the first inning, and then supplement it in the late innings. And this game for me was very reminiscent of that 2005 team. You see them jump out to the early lead, getting guys on, getting guys over, getting them in. They did it in the first inning on some sack flies. And it wasn't the long ball. It wasn't It wasn't just a hit parade. It was capitalizing with runners in scoring position. And this is something that I talked to Johnny about yesterday on the show. You need to be able to drive runners in to score runs. That's just, I mean, it sounds very cliche, it's it's very simple baseball. 
they were able to execute in the first inning, and I was very happy with that. And I think one of the other important aspects of that is they were able to get multiple runs in this first inning. We've seen so many instances here throughout these first 10 games where they'll put themselves in a position, second and third, nobody out, you know, or, or first and third, nobody out, one out. And then they only end up getting one run. Being able to tack on that second run was so critical there in that first inning. And that's one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on here is I really want to see this team continue to pile on when they have those opportunities here and, and being able to score multiple runs in an inning, not just settling for one. So that was very positive to see that happen. Hey, w- one run in some of these situations, I would have taken. I mean, we've seen the bases loaded how many times this year. It feels like the bases have been loaded for the White Sox more often than not. And they're not able to, to, to have that big inning. I think you hit on a good point here. Getting more than one run is absolutely important for this team to do. Uh, crooked numbers, like we like to say on the show, is cool and tough. You put a crooked number up in the first inning, that's great stuff. The White Sox offense kind of cooled down after the first, though, Steve. We didn't see any more runs scored until the seventh Um But the pitching was able to get it done. That's why I wanted to circle back uh, and talk about that first inning uh, just a little bit. You saw the White Sox use seven pitchers tonight. That's not exactly what I had in mind going into this game. Uh, Yesterday, I talked a little bit about I wanted to see Rodon be able to go five, six innings, give the bullpen a rest, uh, especially in a four-game series, a home-and-home against Milwaukee Brewers. You don't really want to have to use this many pitchers to get the job done. Hey, I'll take a win any day of the week. I don't care how many pitchers it takes, but I do think the Sox might be at a little bit of a disadvantage going into the next game. Just, I feel like Ciszek has pitched almost every single White Sox game so far this season. You've seen Jace Fry a lot. Uh, you've seen Ross Detweiler a lot. Uh, you didn't use Bummer tonight, but we have been relying on this bullpen a ton. But tonight, they get the job done. Um, you did see Jace Fry give up those two runs. Shishak comes in, gives up a run. Uh, This game kind of didn't look exactly in favor of the White Sox through the middle innings. Any thoughts on the bullpen usage, and especially that fifth inning where Milwaukee put up two runs? Yeah, that fifth inning was a very interesting sequence in Ricky's decision to intentionally walk um, and Keston Hira to get to <laughs> Christian Yelich in that spot. And I mean, I, I feel like 99% of White Sox Twitter was just asking themselves, what the hell are you doing here in this spot? You know, obviously Yelich has gotten off to a really poor start to the season, but this is a guy that was an MVP two years ago. And had he not gotten injured last season, might've won it for a second consecutive year. So you're really kind of playing with fire there. And then naturally, of course, you know, Former White Sox, you know, legend Avi Garcia comes back with, the, you know, the the crucial hit to score a couple of runs to give the Brewers the lead there in that spot. So, um, you know, and un- unfortunately in that spot, you know, Cesarek actually did what he was supposed to do. He got the ground ball. Um, Yohan just wasn't able to make the play on that. And, you know, a couple of runs ended up scoring on it. But it was a very interesting um, strategic decision by Ricky in that spot there to um, to walk here to go to Christian Yelich, that was for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was just so weird, and, and baseball's a weird sport. Um, I was bantering back and forth a little bit with Jordan Lazowski over at Sox on 35th. Even in the ninth inning, I'm thinking, 
walk Yelich. Like, you don't want to face this guy. You're talking about probably one of, if not the second best offensive player in the game right now. Just if you're looking over the last couple of years, outside of Mike Trout, I'm scared to pitch to Christian Yelich in any situation. It didn't make no sense. Question. It, it didn't make sense tonight that pitching to Christian Yelich was the reason that the Sox won this ball game in more than one way. You're talking about the situation you're, you 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 just touched on. You're talking about in the ninth inning uh, where he could have done some damage uh, to bring the Brewers uh, back into the ball game, and it just it just doesn't make sense. But Yelich hitting uh, a paltry 0.97. Uh, right now is just it's it doesn't make sense but baseball doesn't make sense 99 percent of the time that's just the nature of the game and that's why this game's awesome uh, I mean it's it's just if you're Ricky Renteria I, I really think that that took some balls to make that call to walk here to go to Yelich well you know there there's a saying that uh, you can't predict ball and and that that's scenario and that sequence with Yelich. I mean, that's just another perfect example of it. Um, again, just, you know, you, you keep waiting for him to finally break out of it. Yeah. He had two hits tonight, but you know, you were just kind of on the edge of your seat the whole time in those, in those critical at-bats like, okay, is this the moment where he's going to finally break out of it? And fortunately the Sox were able to avoid that. Yeah. And the, the Brewers offense, if I'm looking this thing up and down right now in the box score, not exactly what you would expect from Milwaukee's offense as a whole. Um, Avi Garcia, I think right now, outside of Garcia, has really been the most solid guy in the middle of that order. And for the White Sox right now, Steve, I, I have to ask this question. I have to, just because of what we've seen in right field so far this year. Is Avi Garcia, was he trying to send a message today to Rick Hahn saying like, hey, you should have re-signed me? I mean, three RBIs for him. Uh, that's pretty much most of the runs scored for Milwaukee today. Came off the bat or were part of Avi Garcia himself. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I I think there is some merit to that. You know, you look at, um, and it's obviously been highly publicized, how Eloy has kind of made it his personal mission to punish the Cubs any chance he gets for yep. trading him away. And I think Avi probably has a little bit of the chip on his shoulder in the same regard. I mean, I was at the series down in Tampa last year, um, you know, when the Sox were playing the Rays, when Avi hit one off the banner at the very top of the dome and left center off Giolito. I mean, so he obviously gets very keyed up. You know, now anytime he sees that White Sox uniform in the opposing dugout here. So, you know, that's something here of these next three games. They're going to have to be very careful with how they pitched him because he just seems to really dial up the focus um, when he's going up against the Sox. And he wants to he really wants to make them pay. He does. And that's I, I like how you tie that into the to the whole Eloy uh, uh, situation, too. Um, you know, I, I, I just remember playing sports growing up. If you're playing against a team coached by somebody or a group of guys that you know you used to play with, uh, there was always that chip on your shoulder, and that's just something that I've always had. And I can't imagine that that's any different for a professional baseball player. Um, and you know, Avi knows what's going on with the White Sox. He knows what's going on in right field. 
I don't I don't want to go off and say I miss Avi Garcia, but hey, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is in his mid twenties in the middle of a rebuild, and the Sox just kind of passed up on him. Uh, it was interesting to see that he was the guy that came out and did as much damage for Milwaukee today. When you look up and down a lineup that has tons of offensive power, um, just just something I noticed. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like I said, it's definitely going to be something to to kind of monitor, and um, you know, like we kind of talked about here. You know, the Avi experience was something that did need to come to an end. And, you know, given the instability the Sox have had in right field, you know, I know there's people out there that are saying, oh, maybe the Sox should have kept them. But, you know, the way I figured it is in another three weeks when the Sox prayed for Michael Conforto, they'll have right field solved. Yep. All right. Moving on just a little bit out of the Avi Garcia stuff, because I feel like we could talk about that way too much. Um, let's Let's get into some of the other nitty gritty things. The White Sox still, although they were able to convert in that first inning, the team hit with runners in scoring position one for 12 tonight. And yes, they were able to convert on one of those. However, Steve, I feel like this is something that's going to come back to bite the White Sox in the ass and be something that could be a problem down the road. I talked to Johnny about it yesterday. I need to hear your take on this. What's the issue here? You know, I, I think it's probably just randomness of a, of a baseball season. I haven't really had a chance to dig that deep into it. Um, I know I kind of tweeted out a couple of things about this um, yesterday, and Josh Nelson over from Sox Machine actually uh, sent me a link. The Sox are actually their league average when it comes to hitting with runners in scoring position right now. And it, it really kind of floored me when I look at the numbers because it just does not feel like that. I mean, to your point, it seems like every time they get in this situation where they have second and third, nobody out or one out or bases loaded and one out, they're just not coming through in those situations. And the numbers just don't bear that out actually. And it's just very surprising to take a look at that. Um, you know, part of it is, you know, you had um, Yasmani Grandal just get off to a very slow start the last couple of days here. He he looks like he's starting to break out of that. He had another uh, another you know sack fly. had a, had a big double you know later in the game here today. So hopefully his bat is starting to wake up and you know maybe uh, get Edwin Encarnacion back in the lineup tomorrow and hopefully he can start to heat it up a little bit here and start hitting the ball the way that he has historically been able to. And I think that would certainly cure a lot of those ales for the Sox in terms of um, being able to score with runners in scoring position and kind of putting the perception to bed. Yeah, I think perception's a big thing here. I mean, I, I look at that number, and it doesn't account for sack flies or anything else. It's just, did you get a hit? You know what I mean? So there, there is some some interesting stats that you can massage here and say that the Sox were still able to convert on these chances. Might not have been a hit, but I feel like, just like you said, it feels when you're watching them with runners in scoring position, they're not able to convert, and, and that feels like more of a problem. And I'm surprised. I did not hear uh, that they are league average there. It just feels like they're below the curve. And... I said it yesterday, this team has the ability to put up four, five, six runs in an inning, especially when they get off to that 
runners on second and third, nobody out situation. I really feel like they should be able to keep that rally going. Maybe I'm just being greedy, Steve. I, I don't know. Am, am I being too greedy here, or do I just want the Sox to score 12 runs every day? Listen, I don't necessarily think it's greedy to want this team to just, you know, bludgeon people on a day-in and day-out basis because we know looking at the lineup and, and the names that are in there, one through nine, when when they're fully healthy and they have the full complement of, of talent on the roster, I mean, this team's going to score runs. And even, you know, the fact that, you know, you get Mazzara back today for the first time and he had his little, you know, bloop hit in there, um, you know, they haven't had everybody to this point, and they're still finding ways to scratch out runs, and, and they're actually towards the top of the league in a number of different offensive categories. So once they, you know, get Timmy back here, hopefully um, in a week or so, and, you know, hopefully Mazzara can, you know, kind of pick things up quickly here and get into rhythm right away here. And, you know, I'm going to be really interested to see what this offense looks like one through nine when they've got everybody in there ready to roll. Steve, that brings up another question I have for you. And just because you and I haven't been able to connect on a podcast yet so far, when Timmy comes back, is he your leadoff guy? Or are you leaving no. Luis Robert there? No, Luis Robert's there. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. I, I'm I'm 100% with you on this one. I think Luis Robert has proven thus far that he can be a leadoff guy. And he, he just has so many tools that like you could slot him in anywhere one through five and I'm fine with that. But I just, I've never been the Tim Anderson is a leadoff guy. Uh, I, I just don't think he or Yon Moncada should ever bat leadoff. I love Yon in the, uh, in the two spot. Um, but Luis Robert, man, just an absolute stud so far this year for the White Sox. He is just everything and more that we hoped he could be at the major league level. Guy doesn't even look like uh, he is troubled by major league pitching one bit so far. No, he absolutely looks like he belongs. And, you know, he has really surprised me with how well he has adjusted this early uh, to major league pitching. And, you know, the thing that I was most impressed by tonight were the two walks that he had and, you know, he had a, those were, I think, two really good at bats where he wasn't even really tempted to swing at pitches that were greatly out of the zone. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can actually incorporate a level of patience into his offensive profile here, which is something that he hasn't really shown a lot throughout the minor leagues in his time since he came over from Cuba. Um, you know, and then he got himself in a position in the eighth inning there. When he got a 3-0 count, yes. got to 3-1, and then, he, and then he took that pitch right down the cock, which which I was very surprised by because I would have thought he would have just been ready to just turn and burn on, on that pitch right there. But if he continues to you know get himself in the position in the strong hitter's counts, I mean, we've seen, like you said, we've seen the tools, Tony. I mean, there there's nothing on a baseball field that this guy cannot do. And, I mean, it's just – it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this development as, as it happens here. I would not be surprised if at some point here, maybe in the next seven to 10 days or so, there's a little bit of a downturn here, but the, he's so freakishly athletic and the tools are so strong that even when he goes into a slump, I don't know how sustained it's going to be. Yeah. You know what? You bring up an interesting one when he was down three Oh, and he worked the count to three one. And then, uh, 
I'm in the garage. I'm watching with a few different folks who are uh, out in the garage watching the game with me. And everybody's like, if, if, if there's a pitch thrown down the middle, do you take this pitch or do you, do you try and swing at it? And I said, no matter where this goes, I would like to see him take this pitch just because I want to see him be able to work the counts. And I want to see him be able to have that kind of discipline to try and take ball four because I think Luis Robert, when he can get on base, you have a stolen base threat. You have speed. I want to see him be able to have that kind of discipline. And I was really encouraged by that. I don't think that that's something that, you know, as he develops in his career, that you have to do every single time. But I just feel like most of the players that we've seen come up through the system on a 3 1 count. If that ball is anywhere near the plate, they're swinging at it, and they might ground into a double play. Depending on the situation, you might not see the best approach. And I really thought for Luis Robert, and I don't remember the end result of this. I believe he got out on this. But I feel like working that to 3-2, just getting that extra pitch in, was very important. I don't know why I was so hung on it, but I just felt like that was a, a critical moment in the development of Luis Robert. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, like I said, if if he gets to a point where he just continues to take pitches and get himself into quality hitters counts, you know, um, I personally, I want to see him destroying that 3-1 fastball. I want him geared up to hit that thing to the damn moon when he puts himself in that position. So, um, but you know, the key is getting yourself to that spot, taking those pitches yep. early in the count so you can get to that 2-0, 3-1 count where you can just sit dead red, turn and burn and try to hit the ball to the moon. So, you know, hopefully he can continue to do that here going forward. Absolutely. Now, this is the part of the show where you probably are like, I absolutely hate what Tony's saying, but we got to talk about Alex Calame tonight. And I know that there is a large portion of White Sox Twitter out there and a lot of people who would rather see Aaron Bummer out there. I feel like tonight was a very, very, very good showing from Alex Calame uh, getting the job done in the ninth inning closing the ball game down. And this is something that I've said to Johnny over and over again. Cocked hats are for closers. You know, you know, the, you know, the saying coffee is for closers. Cocked hats are for closers. Alex Calame shutting the ball game down tonight, earning another save. Uh, I'm a big Calame guy. I know you're not going to agree with anything that I have to say here, Steve. I know you're a bummer guy, but I've been impressed so far this season with what Alex Calame has been able to do. Uh, it might get a little interesting, but I'm okay with that. I like to uh, have a little bit of, uh, I don't know, nervousness in the ninth inning. Just feel a little emotion, especially not having sports for the past few months. Um, there wasn't a lot of nervousness tonight. There was a little bit. There was a little hiccup. Uh, but Alex Calame gets the job done once again for the White Sox. And I don't care how it gets done. It just has to get done, and the Sox have to win. So I got to give kudos where kudos is due. Alex Calame gets the job done once more. Any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I thought that his stuff today looked probably better than it has in any of his other previous outings uh, to this point this year. You know, he, he went and he blew through the first two hitters 
um, you know, getting getting those first two outs right away. And I'm like, I'm, you know, thinking to myself, wow, you know, the stuff actually looks pretty crisp tonight. And then he goes and gives up the double to to Keston Hira, and then that brings up Yelich with Avi on deck and here. And you know, I'm I'm kind of starting to sweat a little bit on this, you know. And he falls behind Yelich, and I'm like, all right, is this going to be another one of these 10, 12 pitch at bats again? You know, that he ultimately was able to induce the ground out. So, you know, the the end result and, and you know, even just the, the process was a lot better today than it had been in some of the previous outings there. But it just it still doesn't uh, leave me feeling overly confident, I, I would say, when uh, when he comes into the game, particularly in a one two run ball game. But, um, you know. Like like you said, got the job done tonight, so that's that's really all that matters here. We just got to keep stacking them dubs. Hey, winning is cool and tough, Steve. That socks on tap rule number one. If we're getting the job done, I'm not going to complain. All right, moving on. We've got another ball game tomorrow. Lucas Giolito's taking the mound against Brandon Woodruff. Giolito coming in 0-1 with a 6.52 ERA against Woodruff, 1-1, one 1.59 one, 1. ERA. What are your thoughts on tomorrow, and do we have a pick to click? Yeah, so the first thing that really needs to happen, and, and this kind of circles back to something, Tony, you talked about earlier in the game, about Carlos Rodon's inability to work deeper into the game and having to you know, use seven pitchers total. Lucas Giolito, or as Christopher Russo likes to call him, Galato, he needs to go out there and he needs to deal and he needs to give this team some innings similar to what he did in Cleveland, his last start um, on Wednesday of last week. So it's really going to be imperative for him to be able to go out there and give six or seven quality innings, give, you know, a lot of the arms in the bullpen, a much needed rest here. And, and then hopefully, you know, they can just leverage and utilize, you know, the likes of Cordero, um, Evan Marshall, who again was outstanding tonight. And then, you know, you got Bummer and, and potentially Colome again, you know, to, to finish things out on the back end here. But it's going to be really important for Lucas to be able to go out and do that. Um, just, you know, go out there, throw strikes early in the count, utilize that changeup the way he was in his last start against the Indians. This Brewers lineup doesn't really scare me very much. Um, I think if he just goes out there and is aggressive in the strike zone from the outset, I think he's going to have a, a very solid outing, and I'm looking for that to happen. As far as pick the clicks go, I'm going to go ahead, and I'm just going to say, you know what? Nomar Mazar, he's going to hit his first bomb in a White Sox uniform tomorrow. He's going to do the unthinkable. Woodruff's been off to a really good start this year, but I think Nomar's going to get him. Any predictions, Steve, before I give my pick the click? Yeah, I, I think the Sox are going to take this one tomorrow. Uh, they're going to take it 4-2. to two. Four to two. I love it. All right, I'm going Moncada. I haven't taken Moncada, I don't think, at all yet this year. Um, looked great today. Um, you know, uh, I think our guy Andrew Kinsler said that uh, Moncada was going to go deep. The, the swing is just so beautiful. And if he connects on one, I think there's just there's just that chance, man. Every time he connects, there's just that chance that ball's going to go out of the ballpark. I took Edwin Encarnacion today. Obviously, he didn't get any playing time. So I've got to go with somebody who I feel like is going to be in the lineup. And uh, I feel like Yohan Mancata is going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Um, so that's all I've got to go on. Uh, Prediction-wise, 
the win streak's gonna stay alive. I like your four two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it a little bit closer. I'm gonna say three two. Uh, Lucas Giolito's gonna deal, and then uh, uh, I think all the runs are gonna be scored in the late innings. So I'm gonna say take a three two Sox victory. Uh, Yohan Moncada home run. There's my pick to click. There's my prediction. Steve, you got any final thoughts before we close this one out? No, not. I think we covered a lot of ground here tonight. Like I said, five in a row. Let's just keep this streak going. Indians lost tonight, so we're squarely in second place here. You know, two games back of the Twins. Um, you know, got the misfortune of the fact that the Twins, you know, get basically a, a bye week here with four games against the Pirates and then uh, – three games against the Royals. So I'm not really anticipating making up much ground here. So, you know, Sox got to just go. They just got to take care of their own business here. Uh, these next three games in Milwaukee, and let's keep that going here tomorrow with uh, Giolito on the mound. Let's get another dub, get it to six in a row. Hey, I'm always a big fan of weathering the storm. It doesn't matter if you're making up ground. You just got to keep winning. That's all that matters. Shortened season, just keep winning. Good things will happen. Steve? Let's close it out how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.